This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing good. It's great to see you all. Well, we are finishing up our series today called New Use All throughout the month of January. We've just been discussing this idea that God is a God of newness. Uh, we're going to read a scripture here. It shows us that in a second. And God is always doing new things. Um, it doesn't necessarily happen in January that God's deciding to do not something new, but he's always doing things. But just for us, we become more and more aware of this newness. In January, we're excited about the new year. Maybe we're happy to see 2016 in the rearview mirror and thinking about new possibilities for the new year, the potential that might come. So we've been just discussing that idea out uh, throughout the whole month. And just really, we've been focusing on this idea of the Word of God, how the Word of God will shape us into this newness. It will shape us with new thinking and will shape our lives. And as I've been emphasizing to you, hoping and recommending to you that you um, would spend about 15 minutes every day in the morning, if you're a morning person or at night, if you're a night person, with a paper Bible, um, not just your tablet or your phone or something like that, but to get a paper Bible. And uh, like I said, you can get them on Amazon for under $10 or you can spend up as much as $150. Now, I mentioned my wife's Bible that she had bought at the beginning of this year, and I brought it with me today, and it is almost as beautiful as she is. And like I said, um, <laughs> you, you saw the, the Bible that I bought for the beginning of this year. It's just like a plain black, and this is her, and there's like... It's color here on the thing, and it just, I'm just describes her personality so well. And uh, not just her personality, but all of who she is. How am I doing, babe? <clears throat> so in this is a journaling Bible. So there's the scriptures in the center, and then there's space to write on the side. And once again, as you're reading the Word of God, my recommendation to you is that you have a, a highlighter or a pen or something. So as you are reading the Word of God, our expectation is that God would be speaking to us. So we can write things in the margin or underline things or emphasize things. And depending on how organized you are, you might want to have different colors for different things in the scripture that can uh, bring certain things to your remembrance. Like maybe one color is the promises and one color is about love and one color is about something else. And uh, so just recommending to you that you start the new year getting a brand new Bible. Uh, you don't have to get a brand new Bible, but my, my point is if you've been around for a while, if you have a Bible that you've maybe marked up or highlighted a lot, our tendency would be to think, well, I know all of this because I've highlighted it. So if you're starting brand new with a fresh new Bible, uh, there's some humility that comes with that. And then you can read and allow God to speak to you. So I'm going to give this back to my wife so she can have it. Thanks, babe. And the other thing that my wife actually just mentioned between services, um, that you can also, there's another way to, as it relates to scripture reading, that you can get a devotional. So, now, a devotional would be uh, something along the lines where there would be like, you know, 30 30 days, and there would be 30 thoughts through the month, and that would give you a thought, and then a few scriptures corresponding um, to those thoughts. And then the other thing that my wife mentioned, my wife should just do this whole part, uh, that she said, if you have children, um, you know, we've been recommending a paper Bible, but there is a Bible app for children that's like interactive, and it tells Bible stories. We recommend that you get that, especially it'd be great on an iPad. And then a physical Bible that you can get um, for your children is the the Jesus Storybook Bible. So it goes through the stories in the scripture and then it brings everything back to Jesus. So just a recommendation for parents um, to start 
that you would be the main person uh, that would be discipling your children. You know, what we would do here would be on top of that. You know, them spending time here at the church would be on top of your own personal discipleship of your children. All right, so let's turn our Bibles uh, this morning to Isaiah chapter 43. Now, we've been talking about the Word of God in this series, and we've been talking about why we would read the Word of God, and then specifically we've been mentioning how to read the Word of God, and both of those things are important. And we've been saying that why we would read the Word of God, because it transforms us, it changes, changes us. Why we would read the Word of God, it deals with the attitudes of our heart. The Word of God feeds us spiritually. Um, we saw that the Word of God produces fruit in our lives, and then we said this big emphasis that the word of God is pointing to Jesus. Old and New Testament is pointing us to Christ and that so we would have a relationship with God through the understanding of the scripture, that we would see God, understand who God is, know him better based on the person of Jesus. So as we would be reading the word of God, we're not just looking for principles, even though we are looking for principles, but we would see all of these things, all of our understanding of who God is as this relational idea, not just not just a relationship with laws or uh, just inanimate principles, but the personhood of God will come through the scriptures and specifically our understanding of Jesus. So we see why we would read the word of God is to have a relationship with God. And then we've been talking about and emphasizing the last few weeks about how to read the scripture and seeing how Jesus read the Old Testament and how he saw past the specific laws and he was teaching us to see the heart of the law how God gave us the law in the, the Old Testament, um, but not just to see those as laws that if we, we don't do them, we're nervous that God would be angry with us. But Jesus helped us to understand the heart of the law, the heart of what's written in the scripture so that we can see the heart of God. And then last week we emphasized this idea that all of the word of God that we know and read and think about should move us to action. It is actually something that we should do not just have thoughts, not just have beliefs. Those are all good. We need to have those things first. But those thoughts and beliefs should actually move us to action. And we said, we read from the scripture, that the doer of the word is blessed. And we do the word of God. That's where we find the power. And that's where we find the satisfaction. All right, so here we go. Isaiah 43, verse 18 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new Thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That God is a God of new things, newness. So this whole uh, series is all about what does God want to do new in me in this season of my life in 2017? And then also what does God want to do through me? Because he's do doing new things and so I need to tap into this newness for my life. We've been reading this verse here in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what is the will of God and what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. So our mind is going to be renewed. Our mind is going to be changed. Our, we're going to grow up in the things of God, as we spend time in the word of God, that we're not going to stay the same, that God is going to be moving us forward in our relationship with him. So specifically, we want to think about some ways 
what are some of these ways that God actually wants to do some newness in our lives? So I'm going to look here at some verses here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 16. It says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put in old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled out, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. So here, once again, this idea of newness. Now, the big idea here that Jesus is talking about, Jesus is just not patching the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. He is actually recreating our understanding of who God is through himself. So he's not just sewing up a hole on the old, well, the old covenant really wasn't working, and so we're just going to do a few stitches here. No, he's changing the whole thing, this whole idea that our relationship with God is all about grace. It's all about this gift that God gives us, that we can have this understanding of God uh, through righteousness that God gives to us because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. This is the big idea that Jesus is talking about here in these verses, but we can boil this down for our lives, talking about new things, uh, new something on the inside, and then new something on the outside. That our lives are always changing. We're always getting a year older. Uh, There's always new things going on in our families. Our children are getting older. Our parents are getting older. Our spouses are getting older. We're maybe moving forward in school. We're moving forward in our careers. Our, our marriage is moving forward, or whatever the case may be, all of us, life is never staying the same. The one constant in life is change. Things are always changing. So what God is wanting to understand, that he actually wants us to embrace this idea of newness, embrace change. And he, he equates, though, these two new things, that the Spirit of God would be the new wine, something would be going true, a change on the inside of it, but then there's also a skin to put on that new wine a new approach to something. Um, As I mentioned uh, many times as I talk about my kids, that uh, my oldest daughter over here, she's 17, and she's getting ready to go into university this fall. So we've been looking at universities and traveling to university campuses and all these different things. And, you know, we would just be happy if she had stayed a baby. There would be, you know, a lot less talking going on, a lot less talking back, uh, a lot less other things. But you know, life moves forward. And so uh, what my wife and I are discovering is that we, there's new wine that God wants to help us uh, to parent a 17-year-old, which is different than parenting her when she was two and when she was five and all these different things. And we have to be ready to put a new wineskin on our parenting because God wants to do something new in us. He wants us to help her in this season of life to be the parents she needs now. We can't be the same parents she was when she was two. We need to put a new skin on it, as it were, so that if we're guiding her in this season of life, we want to be able to help her as much as we can. And this is true for all areas of life. You know, at your job, um, if you think about how you can pro- progress forward in your career and your job, for you to find new ways to accomplish efficiency at your job, uh, whatever the case may be, that you would be asking God, hey, God, I, I need your help here in my business this way, um, that he is going to bring uh, new ideas. And then sometimes those new ideas will involve a new wineskin, a new way of doing things with your career, with your business, with your job, that we're not just looking for sameness, that we're actually looking for newness. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> we're asking looking for... I didn't mean to embarrass you with everyone. 
hey, let's all, let's all just check our ringers. Let's take a moment and turn off our ringers on our phones. All right, so we want to receive this newness that God wants to do in us in this specific season in our life. So all these areas, school, work, marriage, parenting, new wine, and then it needs to go in new wineskin. So we're just going to finish up this series today, and we're just going to look, uh, once again, we're going to see how uh, Jesus is going to teach something to his disciples, and then he is going to flesh something out as it relates to understanding the will of God for our lives. So let's turn over to uh, 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. And we'll read here, the apostle John is speaking here, and he says in verse 4, 1 John 2, it says, whoever says, I know him, so that's what we have been saying in this series, as we spend time in the word of God, we should be able to say more and more, hey, I know God, my relationship with God is growing. But whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is is perfected by this we may know that we are in him whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked now this word here walked doesn't mean you know strides that we would take as we physically walk it talks about it's meaning the life that we're living as we live our lives that's walking out our lives that we're supposed to be walking the same way jesus walked the way jesus lived his life should be the life that we're living out. But we see this here in verse 5. It says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So as we're spending time in the word of God so that we can gain knowledge, we can gain a relationship with God that moves us to action, what is happening? The scripture is saying that the love of God is being perfected in us. That the love of God, as we spend time understanding the word of God, understanding who God is through the scripture, that what's happening in us is the love of God is changing us. It's perfecting us. It's not keeping us the same. It's not trying to stay the same as last year. It's new wine and new wineskins, that his love is coming through our lives. So we're going to see here, and let's turn over to John chapter 13, and we're going to see how Jesus teaches his disciples. Here he's going to tell them something, and then he's going to show them something. And what we would see here in these verses, as um, we would think about how important Jesus' teaching is, that really what Jesus teaches here, and this is what I really believe to be true, that what he teaches here in these verses will help us to have a significant life and a satisfying life. There's a lot of people, they feel like they're dissatisfied with their life because I, I don't like, I'm dissatisfied in my job or maybe I'm dissatisfied in my marriage or I'm dissatisfied with the government. That what Jesus teaches here in this portion of scripture, I think will help us to live a satisfying and significant life. Let's read it here together. John chapter 13, verse one. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. Now he loved them to the very end. Now, the teaching portion here of the Gospel of John, pretty much through the crucifixion, is all of the teaching that Jesus gives his disciples in and around the Last Supper. So what's happening here is Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, before I go, before I return to God, uh, I want to leave you with a few things that are really important. 
Um, he said he loved his disciples, but now he's l- going to really love them. And he's going to show them some important things. He says he's going to love them to the very end. Verse 2, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. That's a pretty dramatic statement right there, that Jesus, in this moment, that he understand that he had authority over everything, and then soon that we know that he would be having authority over death, and he would win the ultimate battle over death. He had all of the authority, and he's going to return to God. And then verse 4 says, so he got up from the table. So because this is true, Jesus is now going to show his disciples something. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, uh, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. I love Peter. He's an extremist. He's like, no, you can't do anything, Jesus. And Jesus is like, I have to. And Peter's like, okay, give me a full bath then. (laughs) As Jesus was saying, I'm going to do something you don't actually quite understanding. You don't really understand yet, Peter, what I'm going to do, but hang tight. So then, so he did all this. And then verse 10, Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you talking about Judas, for Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what it meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? And once again, I love the statement because Jesus is getting his disciples to think. That's us too. He wants us to think about what he just did. Now, we could maybe have a hard time understanding this within the context of our culture, but within this culture, um, how they would think about a foot washer or why there would be a foot washer in a house is that obviously all of the roads, you know, there was no pavement or asphalt in this time. And so when people would travel from city to city or house to house, they would have sandals on and uh, without socks, no socks and sandals, good fashion advice right there. They would have, um, their feet would get dirty and they would go into the house And there would be a person there, and that person would wash the the feet of when you came into that house. And this servant, a lot of times, was just thought of as the lowest servant in the house. That they would just stand there all the time, and they would just serve anybody who came in the house, and they would just wash the feet. And the feet were kind of the dirtiest part of the person. And so it was kind of like a lowly job. It wasn't like for important people, or it wasn't for the master of the house, or it wasn't for anybody who necessarily had any economic power or maybe political power that were just kind of, maybe we would think of just a nobody. So Jesus, what he did is he acted like this person. And then he washed all of the disciples' feet. And then he says to them, "Um, do you understand what I am doing? Verse 13, and he says this, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash 
each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus references here in this portion of scripture that we should wash one one another's feet. Now, let's apply some of the biblical interpretation skills that we hopefully have gathered throughout this series. Is Jesus telling us for all times that the way to actually show that we are following Christ is we need a towel and a bucket, and then when somebody comes into your house or somebody comes into your church, that for us to be true Christians, we just need to wash, literally wash each other's feet. Is Jesus imposing upon us a legalism here to follow? Or is there a principle that we can understand that we could take and apply within any context, within any time, that we could live and do this thing? You know, there's some churches today, you know, I'm not making fun of them, but a lot of churches they will still do today, they will do foot washing services. I just want to let you know I love you, but I'm never touching your feet. And the reason is your feet are already clean. I'm hoping. (laughs) We all live, hopefully, you know, and some we're blessed to live in a country that has running water. In in the lowest apartment available in our country, there is a tap that you can turn on and you can wash your feet. So Jesus is not imposing a legalism by telling us, oh, for all time, for us to actually show that we're Christians, we're going to need to get people to take off their shoes, we're going to wash their feet. The point that Jesus is making, as we've learned to interpret the scripture, is that Jesus is placing himself under all of the disciples in a measure. He's got all the authority in heaven and on earth, the scripture says, but then he's going to show the disciples what to do with that power. When you have power, when you have authority, how do we wield it? What do we do with it? Because Jesus had all of it. And the example that he gives is the ultimate example of humanity. What does it truly look like to be human? As divinity in Jesus is showing up, but then he's also showing us how to be human. That Jesus, as someone who was their rabbi and who was their teacher, and we know him as our Lord and Savior. That he is taking this moment at the Last Supper. There's something really important that I want you, that I want you to understand, and then I actually want you to do it. That we, as followers of Christ, that our disposition that how we think about what God has given to us, whatever power or authority that we might have in our homes or in our jobs, that God is wanting us to see ourselves in a place of service, that we need to serve all of the people with whom we come in contact. Not that I need to get a bucket and a towel because I'm really following Jesus. No, that's not the point that I see myself as this person who serves everybody in the room, that I have actually a measure of power, that I have a measure of power as a parent or a spouse or whatever, you know, the job that you have, the context of your job, you have a measure of power. What are we supposed to do with that power as Christ followers where I got to serve people? 
I actually have to do something for someone else. And this is what Jesus is wanting us to understand as his followers. Hey, guys, I'm teaching you ought to do this for each other. And then he's saying, you know, we're not, uh, he talks about masters and slaves or servants. He says, I tell you the truth, slaves are not, or servants are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And that's us. We're messengers for Jesus, ambassadors for Christ. So how are we supposed to act as ambassadors for Christ? Well, we're supposed to be people who think, I need to serve. I need to serve in the context of my life. So let's just bring this home, like home home for a second. The people in our homes. That God is calling us to serve them. How are we going to serve them? We're going to serve them with a bucket and a towel. And we're going to say, give me your feet today. I'm just going to wash your feet and then I'm done. The legalistic way to look at the scripture. Or are we going to say, who's in my home? How am I going to serve them? How is the love of God going to flow through me to my family members? So I've got my wife in my home, and I've got my daughters, you know, in my home, and then our dog. And uh, how am I going to serve my family? Because Jesus is saying this is what we ought to do, that we should, if we have power, which he did, how are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to live our lives? Well, I've got to figure out ways to serve my children. Well, I got to uh, discipline my children. I got to instruct my children. I got to um, guide my children. I got to care for my children. I got to provide for my children. Now, I also have to love my wife. The list is not the same. I don't have to discipline my wife. She's not my daughter, right? She's my wife. So I'm supposed to be laying down my life for my wife. And see, here's, here's a little bit of a marriage advice for everybody in here today. You're not supposed to be parenting your spouse. It's too late. They were parented for a while. That's all that happened. What you, what you got is what you got now. There's no more parenting happening. So many spouses are frustrated because they're trying to parent their spouse. Stop it. And love your spouse like you're supposed to love your spouse, not like you would love your child. So here, this is how love will be expressed in different contexts. Here, at my job, do, how do I love the people at my job? Am I supposed to discipline them and instruct them and guide them like I would my children? No, the context of the love will come out differently because of what I'm doing and where I am. But this is what Jesus is telling us to do. If we're followers of him, I'm, do, I'm giving you this example Showing you, my disciples, that's what we are. This is the example that we are supposed to follow. Matthew chapter 22. Let's turn over there. Matthew chapter 22. Verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All of the law and the prophets. So Jesus is giving us the Coles Notes version of the scripture here in just these few verses. What is it? 
first greatest commandment, that we would love God, that we would have this love relationship with God. And then we would be loving our neighbor as ourself. Jesus said all the law and the prophets hang on these two ideas, these two really big ideas in Scripture. And so any proper reading of the Scripture, listen now, any proper reading of the Scripture moves us to love God more and more. And any proper reading of the Scripture moves us to love people, all people, more and more. The whole thing hangs on this. Jesus is telling us these two principles. There's two big ideas in the Scripture. So what are they? Well, that we would love God, that I would be understanding about how God has loved me. The scripture says that I love God because he first loved me. So what am I doing as I'm looking in the scripture? I am looking to find insight from the one who loves me unconditionally. That God loves me because he loves me. He doesn't love me because of what I've done or how great I am or what I do for a living or how Christian I am. He just loves me. He loves. So I'm going to the scripture to understand the heart of God, God the Father, who Jesus revealed to us, that we would understand God as a father. So I'm going to the scripture because I want to grow in my love relationship with God. And then I'm going to the scripture. What's the second thing? That God is actually going to help me love other people. And it's going to look different in different contexts with different people. But Jesus says this is what we should do. That we should love one another. That we should wash each other's feet. In other words, I'm going to place myself below you and I'm going to serve you. You might think this is, this is a too big of a statement. We can argue about it later. That this principle would solve all of the world's problems. All of them. It would solve all the problems in your home. It's going to solve all the problems in our schools. It would solve all the problems in our nation, in the world. If everybody with power would say, how can I serve? How can I love? What can I do for you? How can I help? There's a simple attitude of love. How can I help? What can I do? And what can I do for maybe even people who can't give back to me, people who can't actually do anything back for me? I'm just going to sacrificially love. And this is what we would see in Jesus, that he laid himself down even while we were sinners, even while we were rejecting him. God laid himself down. We, We could never pay him back. That he just gives freely with love, that all of the law and the prophets hang on these two ideas. Love God. Love people. Cole's notes. Simple things to look for as we're reading the scripture. Don't get, don't make it so complicated. Don't make it so difficult that I'm reading this and, oh man, that really helps me love God more. 
oh, I'm reading this. Oh, man, that really helps me love people. Jesus said to his disciples, this is actually what I want you to do for one another. This is what I want you to do for each other. Let's receive communion together this morning. If you are uh, visiting with us and you're, you don't have to feel like you're, you have to do this this morning, if you're comfortable receiving communion with us, we invite you to do it with us. If you're Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca. Thank you.